This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of It's Our House podcast with me, as always, your host, Chris Dees, and today, an unbelievable guest joining me today, um, a man who needs no introduction. All I'll say is he's the inspirational, influential, and controversial as well, obviously. It's the one and only Mr. Vince Russo. Thank you so much for joining me, Vince. How are you today? Chris, I got I came with my own applause, Chris. <laughs> How you doing, Chris? I am I am happy to be here with you, my friend. How you doing? Really good, thank you. I, I think I need to upgrade my uh, my equipment to get <laughs> get my own yeah, applause. I, I have a, I have a, a roadcaster here, and uh, man, I got to tell you, Chris, as a podcaster, this really changed my life. You should really look into it. It'll it'll give you so many different, um, just so many different things you could do with your podcast. Roadcaster. Never heard of it. Bro, I'm, I'm literally just doing it off my phone. Yeah. I'm <laughs> doing it off my phone in my daughter's bedroom. So it's I'm I'm a little little way away from getting to your level, but hopefully, hopefully one day. Um yeah, as I said, thank you for joining me. I know you're a busy man, so we'll probably not keep you for too long. Um we'll get right into it. I wanna wanna sort of talk to you about what's going on in wrestling today. Obviously, you you know, people know you from the attitude era, everything that you helped introduce into WWF and were pivotal in the reason why WWF even beat WCW, obviously after losing for 83 weeks or so. Um, now now that we're about 20, 25 years removed from that, obviously we've got a very, very different product now with WWE. Um, why, first of all, do you think that WWE even first made the decision to move away from those things that you had introduced after it was obviously so popular that they ended up winning winning the ratings war? But, but also, like... It's that age-old question of, do you think that they could bring back the Attitude Era, even just small elements of it? Would it work today? Chris, it, that, that, that is a great question. And um, listen, I think there is a big difference. If you look pre-Russo-Ferrara and post-Russo-Ferrara, I think the big difference is, bro, before we got there and after we left – Ed and I were television writers. 
We wrote a television show. We formatted a television show. Prior to me and Ed and after me and Ed, you had a wrestling show, which is quite different from a television show, Chris. I'll tell you what the differences are. With With a television show, Ed Ferrara and I, we would start with the story. Who yep. are the two are the two interest, interesting, intriguing characters that we could put into a storyline, and then that storyline would dictate the match. Bookers or rest or or wrestlers who are now writers do it the other way around. They start with what they think will be a good match. And they try to make sense out of a story. And a lot of times they can't make sense out of a story. So, you know, you'll, you'll get a good wrestling match with no story and no characters. I think that's the difference. Also, there, there came a time, Chris, a couple of years ago where the WWE really started kowtowing to the marks. I never thought I'd see that day, Chris, because why are you going to play to the people you already have? The yeah. marks are going to watch the show no matter what, bro. As long as wrestling is in the marquee, they're going to watch the show. You've got them. You've got to go after the mass audience of casual fans that may not particularly watch a wrestling show. But they made a decision, bro, around the start of NXT that they were going to cater to this very, very small, hardcore audience. And since they did that, Chris you could see that the numbers of people that watch their show have incredibly decreased since they made that decision. Why they made that decision, Chris, I don't know. Sometimes I I think this company doesn't know how to write television. They know how to write a wrestling show but they don't know how to write a TV show. And if you don't have a TV show, bro, you're not going to have the masses. All you're going to have are the wrestling fans watching the show. Yeah, absolutely. Do, do you think maybe maybe the, the sheer fact that they've got such a big writing team contributes to that as well? Because obviously lots of different people, lots of different ideas. Absolutely. Nobody's thinking of the same sheet. Oh my God, Chris. Absolutely. I listen, I had the opportunity of almost going back there in 2002 and so much had changed in the writing structure in 2002 that I knew I, I will not be successful in this structure. We were successful when it was me and Ed, two guys sitting in the same room, we would write the show and then we would go sell the show to Vince That was it, bro. When you have levels and levels and levels of all these writers and a SmackDown brand and a Raw brand and this person's in charge of it. I mean, Chris, I could never, ever, ever write in that type of environment because everybody is just getting in each other's way. It's uh, and 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 it's it's proven. I mean, it is not working. That structure is not working working 
but yet they're not doing anything to change it. So do you think it just works better in, in the in the sense that it did for you and Ed? So you just need a smaller team, maybe just one guy overseeing both shows, someone like Abs- Bruce Pritchard? Abs- or- yeah, absolutely, bro. You can't have all these cooks in the kitchen. And, you know, like I said, bro, I know I would never, ever be successful in the structure that they have set up today. What's interesting is that you, you mentioned something in there about, obviously, WWE, a, a great... A, sort of appeasing the viewers that they've got now, but not bringing in new viewers. I know only as recently as WrestleMania, obviously we had Bad Bunny in in the run-up to WrestleMania. So that was obviously an attempt to bring those casual viewers in. But obviously the the problem is if you're not giving them a good show to stick around for afterwards, Bad Bunny's great to get, you know, X amount of people to watch WrestleMania, but but there's nothing there to keep them around if the rest of Raw is terrible. Bro, you are dead on. And, you know, the WWE now, they have a um, they have a really high executive in Nick Khan. Nick mm-hmm. Khan was a was a big shooter. It's in CAA, which is the biggest talent agency in the world. So Nick Khan is responsible now for all these crossovers. Bro, we've seen it with AEW. We've seen it with Shaq. We've seen it with Mike Tyson. It's exactly what you're saying, Chris. If you bring in these big names, you've got to hook them, bro. That's why when when Tyson was brought in during the Attitude Era, we hooked the people. You know, those pe- a lot of people, bro, would have never, ever, ever watched the WWE. But the fact is they tuned in because of Tyson. Once they were there, bro, we hooked them to the product. Chris, you are dead on. You could bring in the biggest names in the world. But if you don't hook them when you got them, they're going to be gone the next week, bro. You're dead on. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's strange, but even even myself as as a lifelong wrestling fan, I'm I'm nearly thirty two, so I've probably been watching for oh twenty six, twenty five years, something like that. Even I can't really get hooked in at the yeah. moment. I don't know if that's a case of there's too much content, but but with there being too much content, what what do you make of AEW and and their decision recently to to introduce Rampage, the new show coming soon? They've They've got four shows now. The the, the same people are going to watch all the shows. I I mean, you know, Chris, the bottom line is, you know, whatever number they're drawing now, you know, 800,000 fans, let's just say for argument's sake, that's their fan base, bro. They could have 10 shows and you would have those people tune into those shows. But again, bro, I, I don't know, Chris, you know, Chris, how long you've been doing your podcast now? Uh, since October. So sort of coming up to about nine months, eight months, nine months. And Chris, you know, as a business, your podcast is a business. You know, one thing I need to grow my audience. I I need more customers like bro. That is the, (laughs) that is the fundamentals of any business. We need more customers, more customers equal more money. Bro, all these shows they're putting on AEW, the same people are watching those shows. Bro, you've got to increase your base. I don't care what kind of a business you have, Chris. I know, it's crazy. Um, you you mentioned, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned like asking me about my podcast because I want to ask you about, about your podcast ventures. And, and, you know, 
Russo brand. You've got your own podcast network, very successful, lots of former wrestlers, some active wrestlers on there. What's really intrigued me over the last, probably over the last six months, we've really, really seen a boom in podcasts and wrestlers starting up podcasts. Recently, we had Chelsea Green and the Iconics. They've just started theirs as well. Why do you think we're seeing that? Why are we seeing such a boom in wrestlers hosting their own podcasts? Is it a lack of opportunities for them to stay backstage after they're done wrestling? Or is it just, just to do something a bit different? I, I think, Chris, what you're, you're finding out a couple of things. You're finding out that these, you know, independent contractors, so to speak, are starting to understand that they can make money outside of the WWE. I think, but I'll be honest with you, I think the first one to really prove that was Paige. Uh, you know, Paige makes a ton of money, bro, on Twitch. And I think Zelina Vega, you know, kind of followed that up. Bro, you got to understand, you've got a lot of people. You've got a lot of really young people, wrestlers, active wrestlers in the WWE that are not happy, bro. You know, they they had this dream and all of a sudden you get there and it's not a dream. It's a nightmare. And, you know, you're you're not an independent contractor. You are a slave. Uh, There's no question about that. And, bro, I think a lot of these people are starting to find out, well, wait a minute, we don't we don't need to work for a dictator in a dictatorship. There are other avenues where we could have our freedom and make some money. And I think that's what some of these people are, are starting to find out. Yeah, absolutely. And it's uh, I think it's part of this sort of day and age of where we we as fans want to get to know the wrestlers, don't we? We've Social media has helped us do that. We know more about the wrestlers' personal lives than we do about their their wrestling lives, their personas. So I think it's just it's another way for, for them to, not to leech off that, I think that's the wrong word, the wrong phrase, but they know that people are going to listen because people are obsessed with feeling like they know the wrestlers. And Chris, the, I think the most um, enjoyable thing for them is, bro, they get to 100% be themselves. Bro, when yeah. you're working for a WWE, you can't be yourself, bro, because you, you got people wanting to take you down. You've got people waiting for you to make a mistake or say the wrong thing. Bro, it's a constant walk on eggshells. Then all of a sudden, bro, when when, when you don't have that, uh, you know, hanging over your head, all of a sudden, bro, you're in a world of complete freedom. And now you can do your own podcast with your name on it and you can be you. And I think a lot of people, you know, a lot of the wrestlers are starting to figure that out. Yeah, and it's absolutely about that freedom because obviously you've got guys like New Day and Corey Graves with, with After the Bell, but you know they're they're not really their own ventures, their own podcasts, are they? You know it's being controlled and, and looked looked over by probably not Vince, but certainly somebody within WWE keeping an eye on them. Um, right, this is probably the one thing that I was the most most eager to speak to you about. Um, Roman Reigns is arguably the top guy, not just in WWE, probably in all of wrestling right now, the poster boy for wrestling, what he's done over the last 10 months since returning back in August last year has been 
second to know the story, the development, how he has grown into something we didn't ever think he would grow into. Um, so first of all, what are your thoughts on Roman and what he's doing at the minute? Why did it take Vince so long to make the call of, of turning Roman heel? Like how, how would you, if you were still there now and Roman came back in August or whatever, how would, how would you have booked him? Would you have gone heel earlier? Uh, bro, we, 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 we'd have to back it up. And I said it when it happened, bro. And I don't even know what year we're talking about. We're talking about a couple of years back. But remember when Roman Reigns, I think it was in Philly, and he won the Royal Rumble and the people booed him out of the building. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Whatever year that was. Bro, I said that night, if I was writing the show and they were booing Roman out of the building, if I was Roman, I would have stepped up to the second rope and I would have flipped off that entire <laughs> Philly crowd for a couple of reasons, bro. Number one, you know that's what he wanted to do. You yeah. know that's yeah. what he wanted to do. And number two, bro, that was the perfect, perfect, perfect situation. Bro, it always seems with these things, Chris, that the WWE, whether he be Vince McMahon or whoever, bro, they're always a couple of years behind. Um, the, if they would have done that with Roman back then, they would have been off to the races. Chris, I'll never forget one of the very last things I wrote when I was with the WWE before I went to WCW was I had Chris Jericho on SmackDown pinning The Rock. Okay, bro, they changed that finish. They changed that finish. Bro, it took them over another year, year and a half to get Jericho over. Whereas if they would have stayed with that finish right then and there, Jericho would have been a megastar. I don't know what it is with them, bro, but man, they always seem to be late for the dance with stuff like this. Yeah, It's just, it's Vince, isn't it? It's the, it's the control yeah. of, it, ab it, ab it, ab it absolutely is, bro. It absolutely is. Vince is a control freak, and he's going to do things, bro, when he wants to do them. And Chris, at the end of the day, bro, it's his company. I mean, that's yeah. that's his that's his prerogative to do that. But, um, yeah, bro, at the end of the day, it comes down to him. Yeah, absolutely. Look, no matter, no matter who comes in, if they've come in and been successful elsewhere, you know that there's a chance – there's, there's a pretty good chance whatever it was that got them over. Let's say, let's say the Bullet Club. Look at like AJ and and Gallows and Anderson. Vince has got the money to to probably make something happen and bring the Bullet Club, the name the Bullet Club to, you know, to WWE. But rather than that, he just goes for the OC or the club or something like that. If Vince just doesn't like things to be successful unless he has made them successful. That's well, how it well, feels. Chris, so. you you have to understand too, bro. Vince, you know, going going back to Jericho, going back to the Bullet Club, bro, Vince has no knowledge of who these people are. When <laughs> I tell you Vince is ingrained 1,000% in the WWE, bro, Vince didn't know who, w, who ECW wrestlers were. Vince didn't know what was going on at WCW. Bro, he doesn't know what's going on in the industry 
outside of the WWE. So if Anderson and Gallows have this hot act in Japan, Vince don't have a clue. He doesn't follow anything, bro, outside of the WWE. I'm not saying this to put myself over, bro, but like, I was the guy that brought Jericho in because I was watching WCW and I knew this cocky, young, brash kid would be awesome. I, I, I was the bridge uh, with the WWE with the Dudleys and Taz and, you know, bringing Al Snow and head back. Vince wasn't watching that stuff, bro. He still doesn't watch it. I guarantee you, bro, like Vince had no idea who AJ Styles was before he hired him. I guarantee it, bro. Yeah. Probably has no idea what's going on in AEW either, and that's why, oh, that's why they're slowly catching up. Absolutely not, bro. Absolutely not. That all makes so much sense because when you think about it and you see so many guys brought in from outside of WWE, even from NXT, and you know everybody says, oh, Vince is just going to waste them. He's probably not wasting them through choice. It's probably because he doesn't know <laughs> that they're in his company, that they've been brought up, that they've You're, been brought bro, in. Bro, you, you are absolutely right. And like, Chris, when you say that, like, that that sounds amazing to some people. Bro, that's the truth. I mean, I'm telling you, that is the absolute truth. Madness. It is madness. It is madness. Um, right, speaking of Vince not really not, not not knowing what's going on at any given time. Um, I feel like I could ask this question next week, the week after, the week after that, because it's always happening. WWE have released another ton of wrestlers recently. Obviously, we had like three weeks ago and then two weeks ago. Just I know it's this time of year and it always tends to happen, but but this year I don't know. It seems a bit different. There's a lot of a lot of guys and girls being released. What? What side do you stand on in terms of releases? Do you think, is it a problem that WWE hoard that talent in the first place and then have to let them go to trim the budgets and things like that? Or is is it good for, for the talent? Is it good to sort of release them and let them flourish elsewhere and it, it helps the industry as a whole? What... I don't know how to word it. I don't. Why? Why does Vince find so many people that he doesn't know? Why does he just give that green light and then just end up releasing them a year later? Bro, I'll, I'll tell you this: two things, uh, Chris. Number one, um, Triple H a couple of years ago told Ryback, and this comes from Ryback. And I think Ryback is as straight a shooter as you can get. But he told Ryback there isn't going to be another John Cena. In other words, what he's saying is. No talent is going to be bigger than the WWE ever again, because bro, what happens, Chris is when you have a talent that becomes bigger than the WWE going back to control, Vince loses that control. He lost control with Cena, uh, Austin rock Hogan. He loses that control. So now triple H is flat out saying there are never, there's never ever going to be another superstar bigger than the company again. So yeah. what do they do, bro? They have a factory where they're making wrestlers and these, 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 they, they go in from the independent circuit. They're going through this factory and what they're becoming are replaceable yeah. talents. 
So, okay, bro, this guy does something we don't like, does something on social media, doesn't get a gimmick over. You've got a thousand reasons to get him out and bring the next guy is. Bro, there used to be a movie, probably you're too young to remember this, but it was called The Stepford Wives. And basically what it was about was there was this little town called Stepford, and the husbands didn't like the way their wives were acting. They wanted the wives to be submissive and wait on. So what they started doing slowly but surely, bro, was replacing their wives with robots. <laughs> it's the same concept. We don't want anybody yeah. getting over. We're going to replace them with robots we can control so bro everybody is indisposable get 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 stroman out bring in the next guy get this guy out bring in the next guy that's the system they brought up bro it's just like you know it's like ford and an assembly line of making cars and here's number two that i believe chris and a lot of people on my own brand uh disagree with me i do believe they are preparing to sell this company. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be next year, two years, five years, but I think, bro, what they are doing now is they are streamlining this company to make that bottom line look as as profitable as possible. I think that's why Nick Khan has been brought in. I think that's why Nick Khan is making a lot of these decisions. I believe, bro, that they seriously are trying to stream down the company so that bottom line is so profitable that – Bro, in my opinion, a lot of people throwing Disney around. I don't think it's Disney. I think it's NBC Universal. Bro, yeah. they got all the parts already. They they've got Raw. They've got you know Peacock. The only thing they don't have is SmackDown. And yeah. and bro, like, listen, man, if if that contract expires with Fox, SmackDown's not drawing like they said it would draw. That's the last piece of the puzzle for NBC Universal. And at that point, shoot, bro, they might as well own the company. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, even let's say for argument's sake, they sold tomorrow. Vince is still in some capacity going to be involved, isn't he? Because he'll he'll never let go of that control completely, will he? I assume if he sold tomorrow, he would say, right, we'll sell. But under the proviso that, I will be on the board. I'll be an executive. I don't think, uh, man, bro, I, I can't, I can't believe if somebody invests that kind of money, they're going to allow a 75 year old man to have any kind of say. So now I do believe Vince yeah. would assure, you know, Triple H has a high position and Stephanie, like I, I do believe he will see that through. But I can't believe people in the television industry with with Vince's track record over the last 10 years in programming. I'm not talking about business deals and money. I'm talking about television programming. Bro, in the last 10 years, he has fallen completely off the map. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just want to touch on something you said before that was quite interesting um because I, I talk to people about this all the time you said that um that there'll never be another john cena why why can't they build megastars anymore because they didn't have a problem doing it 
as you said, like 10, 20, 25 years ago, like you've got Roman Reigns there, Drew McIntyre, guys that you could put out on the road on chat shows who are, you know, they're good looking guys. They're well presented. They're, they're good at talking. They come across well. Do you not think Roman, given a bit more time, could be a megastar? He's starting to do other things, isn't he? They're purposely not doing it. I, I mean, bro, that's why you're seeing the 50-50 booking. Win one week, lose one week. Win one week. They're purposely, bro, holding guys back. They're, they're purposely doing that so nobody's value becomes bigger than the companies. So that they can... Yeah, like you say, so that they can have, make themselves look more attractive to a to a buyer. Exactly, yeah. bro. It's it's not a, it's not about the superstars anymore. The WWE has become the superstar. That that's the superstar, not the wrestlers performing for them, bro. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like, let's say WWE don't sell for another, I don't know, 20, 30 years. They just stay being the powerhouse that they are. But Vince steps down which is obviously unlikely anytime soon because of that being you know the power and being a control freak so let's say unfortunately vince does pass away in the next few years five ten years whenever it might be so many people especially on twitter because that's where all all the crazy people live is on twitter everybody's convinced that as soon as vince goes everything's sorted wwe will be great wwe will get back in the ratings wrestlers will start being used properly again how how do you think that the sort of the next couple of years after vince steps away or passes away how do you think that works because obviously it's not going to just change overnight is it we're not going to see a better product we're not going to see wrestlers being used properly less hoarding of talent people just assume oh triple h has done a good job of nxt he'll step up and raw and smackdown will be as good as as nxt but it's Surely it's not going to be that simple. So do you do you think it will take a while? Will there be sort of like a, a period of instability and, and shares dropping and things like that? Bro, as long as wrestling people are running the company, nothing's going to change. I mean, bro, when you talk about what Triple H has done with NXT, bro, what has he done with NXT? What are they drawing? They're not drawing on the USA Network. What what are we talking about here? An average television viewer like myself is not watching NXT. So NXT is a wrestling show. And here's, Chris, here's what they don't understand. When you look at what's going on in our world, And when you look at the reality we deal with on a daily basis, Chris, this really started with 9-11. When every day, every hour, every minute, you're seeing the replays of the the Twin Towers coming down. Okay, that's when it really started. Bro, look look at the reality of what we see on TV over the past year, the, the storming of the Capitol. George Floyd, all these things we see are reality-based. Bro, there isn't nothing, nothing we have not seen. Bro, WWE keeps doing this folk, this fake, phony, shitty wrestling that they want us to believe is real. 
Bro, nobody believes the shit they're doing is real anymore. The only reason they're, the only way they're going to believe it, Chris, is if it's based on reality. If it is reality based, like, bro, if the storyline right now in the WWE is Vince McMahon is 75 years old, he's not as sharp as it used to be. There's a power struggle inside of people wanting to take over. There's the rumors of him selling the company, bro. If that were the back story, you would have non wrestling people watching the show. But what is the show, bro? It is three hours of wall-to-wall wrestling that nobody believes. You you got last week's show, bro, ending with a legit MMA uh, (laughs) shoot fighter barricading herself in an office from a doll. Bro, do you know how ridiculous that is in 2021? Do you know how absurd that is? It was Just saying it out loud just sounds ridiculous. Exactly. And, bro, that's because wrestling people are all 20 years behind the curve, including Triple H, bro. There's nothing going on on that NXT show that's earth-shattering that's real that's different it's just wrestling and you're just drawing the people that watch wrestling that's the extent of it bro and that the slice of that pie keeps getting smaller and smaller and smaller what do you think of AEW? have they have they got similar problems is that why their their market their viewership's not not really hitting the million mark anymore are they falling into the same traps Bro, there there were three key things, Chris. This is what built wrestling. It's this simple. It's this simple, Chris. Number one, you got your characters. Number two, you put them in a storyline. And number three, when they have the match, there's the psychology of the match. Okay? Bro, you don't have any of those three things in AEW. You've got no characters. You've got no storyline. The storylines are everybody wants to fight everybody else. And then you've got no psychology in the ring. You've nobody selling. Nobody sells anything. You're you're doing all these moves that you would never do in a million years. If the fight were real, if the bro, bro, it's this basic, Chris, if the object of the match is to pin your opponent on the inside of the ring. One, two, three. That's what wrestling is. I got to pin my opponent inside the ring. One, two, three. Why are you jumping off the top rope to the outside of the ring? Think about that, Chris. I want to be my opponent. I need to pin him. One, two, three. Now I'm going to jump to the outside on top of him. So number one, I'm taking a chance of hurting myself. Number two, if I don't hurt myself, I now got to get his dead body back into the ring so I can. Do you know how absurd that is? And, bro, when I lay that out to you, that's how a television viewer looks at it. Wait wait a minute, bro. You got to pin the guy on the inside of the ring. Why are you jumping on him? And then on top of that, we all see him standing there waiting to catch you, and we're laughing. 
like we're laughing at home. But, bro, they've got their little 800,000 soldiers, and I guess that's good enough for them. It wouldn't be good enough for me, bro. It wasn't good enough for me in the Attitude Era. I wanted I wanted that audience to be bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger week after week after week. Was there ever a drawing that? time where Raw was bringing in like seven, eight, nine million people. Was there ever was there ever discontent back then that, that it wasn't higher? Obviously, obviously now there's discontent because they're never gonna be like that again. But but at the time was was eight million a lot? Was that the goal? Was was the target just to bring in more or was Vince happy with, with nah, that? Bro, there, there, there was no target, man. I could tell you from my perspective Bro, we always wanted the next week's show to be better than this week's show. We didn't care what the number was. Like, bro, if we got 8 million people, like, we could care less. It, bro, it's like, uh, you know, like, I, I'm, I, bro, where are you from in the UK? Where are you from? Um, a little place called Coventry near Birmingham, quite like okay. in the middle. Bro, you, so you're probably a big soccer guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bro, it's the equivalent of this. If If a star soccer player scores two goals in a game. He ain't going to be satisfied. He wants to score three goals in the next <laughs> game. That, that's yeah. the competitive juice. Bro, we never got a rating and we're like, holy crap, all right, bro, we're good, we're good. We Never, bro. We always wanted to do better and better and better and better. That's why, bro, like when, when I look at the ratings today of Raw and AEW, bro, I would be throwing up. I would be like... Bro, like October, November, December, January, February, March, April, May, June, July. Bro, AEW is going on two years. They, yeah, they've yeah, not yeah. grown. I would be, first of all, bro, I would not expect to still have my job. If I haven't <laughs> increased your ratings in two years, you need to fire me. I, bro, I would tell you to fire me. Bro, if I didn't increase Vince McMahon's ratings, I would have said, Vince, I am not doing my job. I am not getting you more eyeballs. Fire me. I can't believe, bro, the same people in creative are there year after year after year. And what makes it worse in AEW is the guy that owns the place is the head booker. So he's never going to replace himself. So what are you going to have at the end of the day, bro? Here's what you're going to have. You're going to have the same people watching the show every week. You're never, ever, ever going to grow your audience. Yeah, and they're sort of kind of the, the polar opposites, aren't they, Vince? Uh, Vince McMahon and Tony Khan. Tony Khan, you get, you get the impression he just wants to be everybody's friend, have a nice environment, doesn't want to sack anybody. Ratings could drop all the way down, but at the end of the day, he doesn't want to hurt somebody in his extended family, I guess. Whereas Vince is obviously very cutthroat. Vince will sack somebody before even giving them a chance to build that consistency. So, you know, they're both doing it their own way and the opposite of each other. But I think both ways of doing it are just as harmful as, as the other. It's, it's strange. It's very strange, Chris, and I agree with you like 100%. I mean, they both have completely different philosophies, and I, I, I don't know how you can show me on paper that either one of those philosophies are working. Bro, when, 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 when AEW started, bro, they were doing 1.4 million people. It's exactly what you said, Chris. 
if they got 1.4 million people in that first show was through the roof, they would have had 1.4 people the next week and the next week and the next week. But they immediately dropped off when they could not hold that audience. Yeah. Yeah. They, they piqued people's interest and curiosity got people looking into the first, you know, I, I watched it. I watched the first episode of dynamite thinking, Oh, something new. You know, I wasn't looking for an alternative. Right. I wasn't one of these people that's decided they hate WWE and want to go find wrestling somewhere else. Because there was already Impact, Ring of Honor, New Japan. There was already avenues and options for me, but I was just interested. And like you say, they didn't hook me in. I gave it a while. I gave it a few months. They had some great pay-per-views, but they just there was nothing there to keep me coming back for more. Right. Which, you know... It's it's one of them. I don't know if either company you're ever going to learn. What, bro? I don't. I don't think Tony can. I don't think Tony Khan cares about that. I don't think Vince McMahon cares about that either. For two completely different reasons, Vince doesn't care about it, bro. Because there are a lot of companies out there that literally, if they sign to do business with Vince McMahon, for some reason, bro, they still think they're getting The Rock and Austin and Hogan and all these people. (laughs) So there are a lot of companies out there lining up to make deals with Vince, especially with Nick Khan being so sharp. So at the end of the day, the content on TV doesn't matter. With Tony Khan, bro, this guy is like a 12-year-old kid booking a fantasy wrestling league that's all that really matters to him bro so from from those two perspectives bro at the end of the day the content does not matter vince is making money hand over fist um tony khan is living his boyhood dream what we're seeing on tv doesn't matter yeah yeah, he's he's a fan, isn't he? I think I think that's Tony Khan's problem. He's too much of a fan, and he can't separate himself from being a fan and being a businessman. But right, exactly. There you go. There you go. Um, right. This this is this is one of my favorite things about you personally during um, during the nineties and into the late nineties. Something on a pole matches. Obviously, they you you know you became synonymous with with having something on a pole matches. I think it was something like. 22 pole matches over 11 years, which on paper is obviously only two, two per year, which doesn't sound too bad. But, but why, why so many? Why so many pole matches? Because I think if we, if we had that now, and WWE were booking, I don't know, a few Hell in a Cell matches per year, it would be criticised, wouldn't it? Obviously, fans would say it's overkill, it's too much. Why was it just that you loved those types of matches, or that you just enjoyed seeing them on TV, or? Bro, first of all, I would challenge that there were 22. I, I, I've been credited with a lot of them that were not mine. All right. I mean, bro, like I can, bro, I swear to God, when you mentioned pole match to me, I could think of three things. Honestly, bro, I could think of three things. I could think of pinata on a pole. I could think of, um, um, which I'm going to call it, um, Viagra on a pole. And I could think of we did a match in TNA with the women where there were four poles with four boxes and different stuff in them. Mm. Those are what come to my mind. And, bro, I wrote wrestling shows. I wrote 10 years at, at uh, 
at TNA, I, I wrote nine months at WCW, and I wrote a couple of years at W. Th- those are the three matches that I can remember. I know a lot have been attributed to me that were not mine. But e- even if that were the case, like, bro, I don't care. When when you look at, bro, you talk about, say, that, say for argument's sake, there were 22 in 11 years. So say now, okay, bro, so that breaks down to two a year. Okay, bro, how many matches was I booking per year? Yeah, yeah. Bro, if, if, I, if I'm booking eight matches on an average show every single week plus pay-per-view, what, what is two out of those hundreds? <laughs> But to answer your question, bro, to me, whether it's a pole match, whether it's a, you know, whatever, bro, when there is a gimmick involved, it's more of a spectacle. So you're going to get, if you've got somebody, here's my remote, bro. If you've got somebody flipping through channels and you've got a a wrestling match, if I'm, if I'm not a wrestling fan, bro, I'm not watching this. I, I, don't, I hate wrestling. I hate this phony bull crap. I'm not watching it. However, if there is a cage up, if there is, you know, something hanging on a pole, a barbed wire match that somebody that may get me to stop because now it's not just a wrestling match. There's a little bit more to it. Plus the fact, bro, that I'm a very visual guy. I like to see visual presentation and bro, if it's just a wrestling match, bro, I've seen a million of them. Uh, you know, I, I, I want something that's different. So, you know, like, like I said, bro, I mean, people make me laugh because again, if, if I really sat down, bro, and I wouldn't waste a second of my time doing this and I really figured out how many matches I booked on any given year and you're going to pull out two pole matches. I I, I wouldn't even waste my time doing that, bro. (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah. So, I mean, I, when I, when I saw the numbers and I saw some of the the things that were on the polls, I just thought to myself, I don't even remember that. Right. Yeah. So I think, I think maybe it is a case of this happened. Must've been Russo. (laughs) Yeah, no, exactly, bro, because I've seen a couple of those lists, and I, I'm like, nope, wasn't working there, wasn't there, had nothing <laughs> to do with that, you know, for, for several of them, bro. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, right, I always like to ask a guest something something wrestling-related, but but that's happening in a different form of media, a different format. So um, recently that's been Dark Side of the Ring, and, and coming up soon – there's there's the episode that's based on the the '94 drug trial of Vince McMahon and everything that happened around that, everything that happened backstage. Obviously, you you were there at that time. I know you were fairly new to the business. I think you you'd been there for a couple of years. I wasn't. I wasn't there, bro. I, I wasn't there during the fan during the uh, that trial. I came like right after that, bro. So I was not there for any. I I, I was just um I was doing my own radio show at the time and stuff, but I was not in the business at that time. Right. Okay. When when you came to WWF, was was there any? fallout from that still had it had it affected the business in the way that they were doing things at all or or were you just completely alien to it entirely i I was pretty much alien to it bro but i could tell you 
there was some preparation. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe I was there. I, I can't remember. But there was some preparation um, if Vince was convicted. Like, how were they going to go on? So there was definitely definitely some preparation going on. I think that's one of the reasons Jerry Jarrett was brought in. They were looking for people that could, you know, take the spot of a Vince McMahon if he was not, you know, able to do it pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. No, I was just just a bit, just curious um, to see if there were any, you know, changes, if, if anything happened backstage, if people were more on edge or anything like that, but um, right. I'm going to come to the last question. I know you're a very busy man. I don't want to keep you too much longer. Um, just a bit of fun. Recently, well, what was it, about four months ago now? WrestleMania? No, three months ago. Um, we saw Eric Bischoff, another famous booker, writer, this, that, and the other. Did a bit of everything in his career. We saw him go into the WWE Hall of Fame. Bit of a weird Hall of Fame this year, obviously, because of COVID. Um, once things are more back to normal with a normal Hall of Fame, would you ever accept going into the WWE Hall of Fame? Do you think that that they would reach out to you to ask you to go in in the first place? Is it is it something you'd be interested in? Yeah. Number one, bro, I don't think they ever in a million years would reach out to me. That's number one. <laughs> because I, I have been way, way, way too outspoken concerning uh, how I feel about the company and the product and certain people there. So that's number one. They would never come calling. Number two, bro, I would have absolutely no interest. I would say thank you, but no thank you. Bro, I don't need to be validated by Vince McMahon to consider my life worthy. I, I need to be validated by my wife, by my dad, by my kids, by my friends. That's who I need validation from. Not, not Vince McMahon. And bro, like, listen, I was happy for a guy like Eric because bro, guys like Eric, guys like Heyman, guys like Cornette, guys like Pritchard, bro, they live the wrestling business. They eat, drink, shit, you name it. The wrestling, bro, I, it was a job to me. I was not this freaking wrestling mark that got my dream job. I bro today. I hate wrestling. I hate talking about wrestling. The only show I watch bro is raw because I get paid to watch raw. I don't <laughs> watch any other show. I don't watch the dark side of anything. I'm, I'm not this wrestling mark that is just consumed by wrestling. So uh, honestly, bro, it would mean absolutely nothing to me. What mattered to me, bro, is the amount of people that myself and Ed Ferrara brought to wrestling. The amount yeah. of eyeballs, the amount that's all documented, bro. You you can you yeah. can look at the numbers for the last 50 years, and during that attitude era, you will see numbers go through the roof. That 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 validates me that yeah. we took this little niche wrestling industry and and people around the world were watching in droves. That's documented. The numbers are there. You're never going to erase them. And that's, that's, that's it, bro. That is, that is my measure of success. 
I don't need to be validated by one guy to say, oh, okay, bro, I'm, I'm great now. I, 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 just, I have zero interest in that, Chris. Fair enough, man. I can't say I blame you. I think it's, to me, it seems strange to have a Hall of Fame for a predetermined sport, a predetermined entertainment. And, well, uh, you know. the, the biggest joke to me is, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this, like right on the surface, right? Bro, <laughs> you got a guy like Steve Lombardi who literally put 30, 40 years into that company. Is this guy not in the Hall of Fame because of his one loss record? Like, think, think of him. <laughs> you know how absurd that is that the Brooklyn brawler, Steve Lombardi, who was there from day one, who worked years and years and years behind the scenes, he's not there, bro, because they wrote on a sheet of paper that he's going to lose more times than he wins. Do you know how freaking absurd that is, bro? So yeah. I, I, I'm with you on that, Chris. It, I, I just, I think it's comical at times. And yet then at the same time, you've got Arnold Schwarzenegger in there. There you go. And, the, you know, the refrigerator and guys like that. Yeah, yes. There you go, right. It's right. a publicity stunt, isn't it? It's yeah. PR. It's That's, that's, all, that's, it, all, that's it all it is, bro. That's all it is. Not enough Not enough people see that, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, that's it, I think, Vince. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me, man. It's been a pleasure. I really enjoyed talking to you. Oh, yeah, Chris. Me too, man. You had some really, really good, insightful questions, bro, and I really, really, uh, really appreciate it. And hopefully we could do this again, bro. Yeah, man, absolutely. I'd love to do it again in the future. Thank you. Um, and that's it. That's it, everybody. Thank you again for joining us today. Um, you know where to find us. It's all in the description. Hit up the link tree. It's our house pod. I'm literally everywhere. That's it. Again, thank you, Vince. Yeah, Thank Chris, I just watching. want to tell everybody real quick too, bro. Just check out Russo'sBrand.com. Oh yeah, of uh, course. <laughs> yeah, just check out Russo's. I I have two platforms, bro. Russo'sBrand.com, Patreon.com forward slash Russo TWC, bro. It starts at seventy five cents a week. But the reason why I really promote this is, bro, we've got everybody involved in our platform was a part of the business. These aren't, you know, super fan marks trying to tell you stuff happened that actually didn't happen. These are yeah. people that are there. So if, if you love wrestling, bro, and you really want knowledge and wisdom and a real understanding of the business, just check out Russo'sBrand.com. Yeah, man. Absolutely. No, I completely agree. Completely agree. So go do that, guys. Hit subscribe. Hit like. Drop us a comment. Vince, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you very much, Chris. And give your daughter her room back, bro. <laughs> These are my toys and she's got no choice. <laughs> no choice. Thank you, guys. Take care. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding. 
or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.